Heavenly Father, I just submit myself to you. I thank you for utterance and the anointing. Holy Spirit, think through, think through my thoughts, speak through my words. If I mess it up in the saying, I ask you to fix it in the hearing before it gets downrange. Father, don't just challenge us tonight. Help us to make course corrections and changes in our life that will bring victory and so that we can experience all the riches on our life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Our uh, jumping off scripture is 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 10. And it says this, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Now, from the time that we come out the birth canal, we are either enticed, right, or driven, pushed or led by outside voices. Outside voices. The first one, because I'd say it's our parents first, but really that's the second one, because our parents are led and driven by culture and society. Whatever the cultural norms are, whatever society is, that's how we act. Well, that's it is. That's why we could wear jeans to church. It's okay. We wear jeans in America. They were invented here. Okay? If we were in church in Bahrain, if they did have one, we'd probably be in robes. You know, and, and our tunics, and because the desert, that's how they, how they dress it. Culture, it's, a, it's not always a bad thing, but we are, we are led and driven by outside voices. Okay? Now, we said this, that uh, in the last couple of weeks, the louder the voice is, the more urgent it is, and the more persistent it is, then those are the things that will get our attention. Because that's why commercials are louder than the show. Because those voices are trying to get you to do their agenda, whatever they are. Okay, so if it's loud, you're going to pay attention. If it's urgent, you'll pay attention. If it's persistent, you know, like anybody ever lay awake at night and the water's dripping? Doop, doop. Now the first ten minutes it ain't bad, but by three o'clock in the morning you're about to throw something. Okay, because it's persistent. It wasn't loud and it isn't urgent. Otherwise, if it was, you would have got out of bed in the first ten minutes and not wait till three o'clock in the morning because of the persistency. It got urgent, right? And then you probably got loud. Right? Okay, but pain, we said, is probably the one that hits all three the most. If you're in pain, it's loud, it's urgent, and it is persistent. Okay? So we're, a lot of, you'll be led and driven by pain, but one that overrides that is fear. Fear will override pain no matter how bad it is every time. Anybody ever watch bull riding? You ever, now, you ever see that guy, he gets bucked, and then they, and he gets crushed in the head with a horn? You see how fast that guy gets up. And runs, because why he's scared he's going to get nailed again by the bull. So fear overrode his pain. Now, once the bull's gone, you see him, he'll collapse, and then he'll blood out, and then have to carry him somewhere. But fear overrode his pain. Now, this is a big deal, because all these voices, and it says there's many kinds, not all of them are audible. Everything will talk to you, but all these voices are trying to get your attention. They're trying to get you to move and, and follow their agenda. Right? That's why we have lobbyists in Washington. They're always trying to get their voice heard. What's that got to do with conscience? Because your mind, your soul, everybody know we are a spirit, we have a soul, it's a mind and emotions, and we live in a body. Your mind receives every voice on the planet except for one. The only one that your mind will not receive is the voice of God. Because God's a spirit, he'll talk to your spirit. Okay? So if you want to you know what God's saying, then you need to, you need to hear through your spirit. And have your spirit talk to your mind. That's what conscience is. Conscience is the voice of the human spirit. All right? Now, let's go to the next verse. Romans 2.14. Romans 2.14, I want to show you this. It says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things that are in the law, these, although not having the law, are law unto themselves. Now, that's a lot of fancy way of saying folks that weren't brought up in church, 
They don't know any idea about the Ten Commandments or doing your checklist. They don't know. They get born again, right? He says they start doing they start doing the right stuff automatically because when they get born again, the law is written on their hearts, and that's what the next thing says. It says in verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness with their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Now what we have is your conscience is the bridge from your heart or your spirit to your mind. It's the voice of your spirit. It's the thing that talks out to your mind. Now if you want to hear God's voice, He'll tell your spirit, and your spirit will tell your mind. And it'll get mixed in with all those other voices. Now we have not been trained to hear the voice of our spirit from birth. We've been trained to listen to outside voices. But this is what this is such a big deal because if we want to have any kind of victory in life, we hear the voice of God, we'll win every time. And, and then act on it, okay? Now we saw that conscience is only found in the New Testament. It was never in the Old Testament. You know what? Because it wasn't available. Because conscience is the voice of the human. Let me say this. Right now you're hearing the voice of Andrew, right? Wouldn't you say you're hearing the voice? But who's doing the talking? Andrew. Andrew's talking. Well, it is, but yeah, that's good. But we'll say Andrew's talking, okay? So what I want to tell you is conscience and spirit are used interchangeably in the Word. The conscience is the technical mechanism of the voice of the spirit, but it's your spirit telling, it's really your spirit is talking. So we'll see that it's your conscience, your spirit, your heart, your inner man, all those things, they're used interchangeably in the Scriptures. We'll see that in a second. All right, and we saw that there's two types of conscience that the uh, Bible talks about, a good conscience and an evil conscience. Good and evil. And a good conscience is this. In the Greek, it says, it is noble, honorable, it affects the mind agreeably, comforting, say peace. Y'all want peace? It comes from a good conscience. Okay? And then it says this, it's confirming or it bears witness. If, you, if there's a witness in the courtroom, it's because, and the witness, what do they do? They talk. If you bear witness, it's because you're saying something. What your spirit will do, your conscience will bear witness. It'll tell you, confirm, yeah, that's the right thing to do. No, that one's not so good. That's what, that's what your spirit will say. Now, y'all... Uh, Everybody want to know what the, what the voice would be like? Well, what's the voice of my conscience sound like? What's the voice of my spirit sound like? Listen, Jesus isn't real. It's fake. He's not real. God's not real. It's a crutch. Did anybody hear on the inside? No, that's wrong. Did you hear that? That was the voice of your spirit saying, that's a lie. That's your conscience. It's not hard to hear it, but we need to train ourselves to hear that even when there's a bunch of noise going on. Okay? All right. Now, a good conscience is your born-again human spirit. If you're not born again, you don't have a conscience. Not a good conscience, you'll have, we'll talk about that in a minute. You don't have a good conscience because your spirit is dead. When Adam sinned, his spirit died. The only thing left was soul and body. That's why the world intertwines soul and spirit. They'll say, oh, he's thinking with his heart, not his head. No, he's thinking with his emotions, not his brain housing group, his intellect. But if you're not born again, you don't have a spirit that's alive. Your spirit's dead. So we've got to separate those, okay? That's why, we, that's why a lot of people get mixed up with soul and spirit. They're two different things. All right. Now look in Romans 9. Romans 9 and verse 1. It says this. Apostle Paul says, I say the truth in Christ I lie not. Now let me throw a red flag up there. He says, I say the truth. Your mind deals with facts. Your spirit will only deal with truth. It'll never deal with facts. Your spirit will tell you what the truth is. Your mind will tell you what the facts are. The fact might be that your checkbook's empty, but the truth is, if you're born again, Jesus became poor so that you'd be rich. Your mind will always tell you, and whatever outside voices that your mind receives, checkbook's empty, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? No, but your spirit will say, no, you're rich because Jesus became poor so you could be rich. It's part of your covenant. That's the truth. Your spirit will never, ever tell you a lie. It won't tell you facts. It'll tell you the truth. Okay? Now, he says, I tell you the truth, 
In Christ I lie not. My conscience also bears witness, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, or my spirit confirms or talks to the Holy Ghost. So we see this, that my spirit is in communication with the Holy Spirit. We back up a couple verses to Romans 8. In verse 16 it says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, saying that we're the children of God or our conscience. So now we have the Holy Spirit that talks to my spirit or my conscience. So, there's the communication with God. You want to communicate with God? There's no burning bushes in the New Testament. You know why? Because you talk to your spirit. The spirit was dead. That's why he had to show up to Moses and give him an audible voice. Because he couldn't receive it. His spirit was dead. No more fleecing. Right? We don't put fleeces out anymore. Now, you want to know from God? You don't talk to man. You don't talk to anybody. You find out from your spirit because it's your spirit that talks to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit talks back to your spirit. Okay? I don't care what any preacher says. I don't care what any, you know, somebody has a prophecy for you. I don't care. If it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, if it's not confirmed with your conscience, throw it out. Because that's, that's the one that's talking to the Holy Spirit, nobody else. Okay? All right. Now, if we back up a couple more verses, right? Romans 8.13. It says this. For if you live after the flesh, now he's talking to Christians. If you live after the flesh or the voice of the flesh, and we said this a couple weeks ago, that the lust of the flesh is nothing more than the voice of the flesh. You see the word lust, all it is is a voice. Okay? Craving. It's telling you, eat Oreo cookies. Or whatever your Oreo, whatever your, you know, lust of your flesh is. Oreo cookies is, you know, that's an easy one to do. And, you know. Anyway. So we see this epic battle. You guys ever heard of spiritual warfare? I'm about to show you what spiritual warfare is. What it is is your spirit warring against your flesh. Your flesh will never want to do what your spirit wants to do. Your spirit will never do what you want to do with your flesh. So your soul, your mind, and your emotions, that's a deciding vote. There's three votes. Every, uh, every day we have a boardroom meeting. My flesh wants to do one thing. My spirit wants to do another thing. And then my mind and my emotions, they've got to decide which way we're going, spirit or body, spirit or body. Okay? We have a board meeting. So this is what it says. It says. If you live after the flesh, if you get your mind to vote with your flesh, it says you're going to die. Now, he's talking to Christians, so he's not talking about spiritually dying going to hell. He's saying you're going to physically die. And that's why a lot of Christians die early, because they just listen to the voice of their flesh. All right? He says, but if you through the Spirit, that's smallest, your conscience, if you through your conscience, you live through your conscience, you'll mortify or kill off the deeds of the body and you'll live. Automatically, you'll get rid of all the works of the flesh. If you live by your Spirit, you don't have to worry about sinning anymore. Because you don't have to do a checklist. Your Spirit will never tell you to go kill somebody. It will never tell you to rape somebody. It will never tell you to lie. It will never tell you to steal, cheat, smoke, cuss, chew, or grow out with those that do. It's not going to tell you to mess up. Okay? Now, an evil conscience, that's the next one. Well, now, evil is not what you're thinking it is. This word evil, when it's used in conjunction with con- conscience, it says this. Full of labors, annoyances, hardships. It's pressed and harassed, bringing toil, causing pain and trouble. It is the voice of guilt. This is what was available in the Old Testament. This is why the Ten Commandments came along. In Galatians 3.19, it says, The reason that we have the law is because there was transgressions, and nobody understood that there was transgressions. In Romans 5.13, it says, Even though they didn't have the law, and what they were doing was wrong, they couldn't say, they didn't know. It wasn't accredited to their account because they had no idea. They were dead spiritually, they didn't know right from wrong. You ever hear anybody say a moral compass? Oh, i got a moral compass. If you're not born again, the only moral compass you have is the law. Doing the checklist, it's either Ten Commandments, it's the law of the land, it's whatever your denomination sets down as a category, whatever that is. Okay, if you, that's the only, it's the voice of guilt. Now, I had two friends, right? There was a, one of them was Orthodox Jew brought up, and the other was um, devout Catholic, and they used to argue all the time over which mama could throw more guilt, a bigger guilt trip. Was it Jewish guilt or Catholic guilt? And they would argue all the time about that. But you know what it all is? is because 
they had an evil conscience. Their conscience, it was the voice of guilt. If you feel guilt, let me tell you, listen to this, red flag right here. You feel guilty about something? That's not from God. Okay? Something's going on. Your conscience is violated. If you're feeling guilty, because guilt doesn't come from a good conscience. Impossible. Guilt doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from heaven. There's no condemnation in Christ. The Holy Spirit, sin has already been paid for. There's no, God's not waiting with a big stick to whack you, because if He had to punish you for what you did, then what Jesus did is of no effect. Okay? If you're feeling guilty about something, there's something wrong. You better start to you go down your cheek, find out, did I violate my conscience? Or is this just an outside voice I don't need to be hearing and listening to because somebody's trying to make you feel guilty about something? It's not from God. Okay? Now somebody looking back and how oh, that ain't true. Yeah, okay, look in Hebrews 10. You mean if you know my, my mama felt guilty, she wasn't... That's right, it ain't from God. If your mama's making you feel guilty, if you, and if you do feel guilty about it because she's right, then there's a bigger problem here. It ain't coming from your mama. All right? Now, Hebrews 10.22 says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that is faithful that promised. Listen, guilt has already been washed away. When you were born again, the voice of guilt doesn't operate in you anymore. That's why he said you can hold fast to your profession of faith. Whatever you're believing for, and the devil come up and say, oh, you don't deserve it. Remember you did that? Now, you've already been washed to guilt. That's why you can hold fast to your profession of faith. God's faithful. He said it. It's a done deal. Jesus already paid the price. That's it. It's over. Don't feel guilty about anything you did in the past. Now, if it's sin you haven't taken care of, we'll get to that. Don't worry. That's on you. All right, here we go. Uh, we'll jump into this. There's six conditions of a good conscience, and we've already looked at the first two. You can either be pure or defiled, weak or strong, seared, which is calloused, or tender-hearted. Now, we looked at pure conscience, and here's what it says in the Greek. Here's a pure conscience. Clean and clear to prune so as to bear fruit, purified by fire, free from corrupt desire, sincere, genuine, free from every admixture of what is false, and free from guilt. And we saw this. The number one way to violate your conscience, defile your conscience, is lying. Number one way, not one more lie, okay? And I and, and this is what I said last week. I'm not too worried about the dog ate my homework. We know that one we shouldn't say, right? Dog ate my homework. Jack likes that one. The bigger one is when we say, oh, you know, my arthritis is just, just racking my body. Arthritis got me. No, by Jesus' stripes, that's a lie. It might be a fact, but that's not the truth, and anything that's not the truth is a lie. Now, when you start saying that, now you've violated your conscience. What you've done is you shut off the voice of God. When you're not saying what the Word says, because the Word is the truth, says God's not a liar, every, let every man be a liar, not what God says is the truth. If He says that I've already made you rich, and that I've made you have honor, i made you have life, when you say, oh, I can't get the bills paid, I don't know what I'm going to do, I just don't know how we're going to make it, that ain't the truth. The truth is Jesus already paid the way, and all you've got to do is hook up with Him and He'll get it to you. Now, when you say that, you violate, you shut down the voice of God. Why is that a big deal? Well, let's look. First Timothy one. I'm going to go over this again. Uh, I, I man, if we don't get too far tonight, then I, but I think we need to. I can't get away from this. I've tried to get away from it for a couple of weeks. But we're going to say it again. First Timothy one and verse four. This is why no more lies. This is why you got to say what the word says. It says neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies which minister questions, rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. Now, the end of the commandment is love. Out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned, from which some have swerved, 
and turned aside unto vain jangling. Unfeigned faith is real faith. That's the kind that will get results. If you have feigned faith, that's fake faith or imitation faith. It's counterfeit. Now listen, it says that if you swerve from real faith, you turn into vain jangling. What that means is ineffective. It doesn't matter what you say. You can confess the word all you want. If you're not, if it's imitation faith, it's not going to do one thing for you. Now you'll, and then you'll say, well, why didn't my faith work? Listen, when you shut down the voice, where's faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God or the voice of God, right? Look over in Hebrews 11. Remember the children of Israel? Children of Israel, gonna, they escaped Egypt. And uh, there they are waiting at the Red Sea. And they're about to get killed. And they're, and they're freaking out. And so Moses says, what do I do? And, and God told him, hold your rod out over. I'll split the sea and I'll make a way for you guys to go through. And here come the Egyptians chasing. Look in Hebrews 11:29, And it says this, by faith, they, the children of Israel, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. That word of saying means they tried to imitate. Now, what was the word of God to the Egyptians? Do you all remember? He said it every time a plague came. Let my people go. Let my people go. That's the word of God. It came to them, and they had plenty of times to hear it because there was ten plagues. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Did they? know? Listen, in Deuteronomy 28, it says that if you obey God, all his blessings will come on you. If you hear the voice of God and you do that when you have faith and walk that one out, you will prosper. Okay? Now, we know we ever hear this, well, God's not a respecter of persons. What he did for so and so will do for so. That's true. He will. He'll heal everybody. He'll make everybody prosperous. How he gets you there is going to be different for every individual. Okay? The word of God to the Egyptians was let my people go. The word of God to the Israelites was go through the Red Sea. The Egyptians tried to do it because they said, well, it'll work for them, it'll work for me. If God's not a respecter of persons, it'll do it for them, it'll do it for me. They went in and they drowned. And then well, why didn't it work? Because they were imitating somebody else's faith. That somebody else heard from God. Okay, you know, if somebody got healed from cancer by doing 50 jumping jacks, this is why God deals, deals different with every person. If it was 50 jumping jacks that got you healed from cancer, we're so stupid as a people, we'd start to worship jumping jacks as the most holy of all exercises. And the number 50 was the magic number. And if you did 50 jumping jacks, that, that's why it's different for every person. Because we'd start worshiping the thing that got us healed and not the, not the person that's doing the healing. Okay? So, God might tell you, go start a real estate business and make millions. Somebody might go, well, it worked for EJ, I'm going to do it and fail miserably. Will God prosper him? Yeah, he will. He'll do it for everybody. But how he gets you there is something completely different. This is big, guys, because if you don't know what you're going to do in life, you better find out first before you make a career decision, right? Not get halfway down the pike and then be like, well, why ain't it working? Because you didn't hear the word of God or the voice of God for you. Okay? That's huge. All right. Then we saw in Romans 13, here's Paul's prescription to have a pure conscience. Three things. One, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, daily. Right? Just like putting your jeans on. This is this. Make no provision for indulging the flesh. That means if Oreo cookies is your problem, don't buy no Oreo cookies. Don't put them in the pantry. Okay? Don't go out with people that are going to offer you Oreo cookies and no parties where there's Oreo cookies if Oreo cookies are a problem. Okay? Make no provision for the flesh. Then it says to stop thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify. When the first thought of Oreo cookies comes, that's it. You stop it right there and start talking, thinking about Sports Center or something else. 
I don't care whatever it is. Because the you know, Oreo cookies, the next thing you think is frosty glass of milk, dollops of peanut butter. Oh, dipped in. You know what? So it's a, uh, it's um, not good. So first thought, stop it right after the first thought. All right, that's that's Paul's prescription. No no provision, and shut it off after the first thought. Okay. Now look at this defiled conscience. Defiled is this: if you pollute it, sully it, contaminate it, or stain it, you're violated. And in Titus one, we saw this. Titus one fourteen said this: not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Under the pure, all things are pure. If your conscience is pure, there's not one thing on this planet that you can't do that's not pure. All things are pure. Just reading the Bible. Don't shoot me. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him being abominable, which is disgusted, and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate or cast away. So here's the cycle. Here's the cycle. When you defile your conscience, we don't say what the Word says, or will you lie if it is the dog ate my homework. Whatever it is, you shut yourself off. Okay? Now you say, well, that healing stuff ain't for me. Now you've def- you shut down the voice of your conscience. Now you're into unbelief, right? That's the next one, right? Unbelieving. Then what happens? You go to unbelief, you're out of faith. Once you're out of faith, you'll start feeling guilty. The voice of guilt will come, and the only way to assuage guilt is do works. That's why all these denominations are out doing their checklists. Why? Because they have shut down the voice of their spirit. So the only thing they do, they feel guilty, that's why people go to church. 90% of the body of Christ goes to church because they feel guilty. That's why they volunteer at the nursery. That's why they, they, they only, they, that's why I have my quiet time because I feel good. If you're doing it to do your checklist, it's a waste of time. Stay home and sleep in on Sunday, and that way you won't be a crabby body on Monday. At least help somebody out, stay home, if you're coming here because of guilt. All right? Don't do your checklist, you ain't helping, you know. You're not helping anybody doing your checklist because of guilt. So that's the next thing is, is that it says they profess they know God, but in works they deny Him. Because if they knew God, they know that doing their checklist doesn't do anything for Him. He, he don't give one rip about your checklist. Jesus paid the price. If there's anything you've got to do to make yourself right with God, then what Jesus did was a waste of time. And, and what you're saying is, well, Jesus, you know, you just weren't good enough. That's the whole point of doing works, is you are saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't good enough. Sorry. Yeah, waste of time. Because if you knew God, you wouldn't do that. Then what's the next thing? You start doing your works, and you start doing your checklist, and you can't figure out why your life stinks. What happens next is you get disgusted. That's abominable. You get disgusted. It's a, ne- it's a cycle. Now you're disgusted. Well, the next thing happens is you're in disobedience. You can no longer hear the voice of God. You're disgusted. You don't care about God. Why did God do this to me? Why is my life junk? And now you're in total disobedience. You cannot win. And then it says what? To every good work, you're a reprobate or a castaway. You know what a castaway is? They're out there by themselves. It's a fight just to eat food. You scrap for, for clothes. Survival is a problem. That's what, and I don't care how many healing services. You could be holding a healing service and folks would get healed. For you, you're a castaway. Nothing good is going to happen in your life. You could be leading people and getting them born again. For you, it doesn't matter because you're a reprobate. You're a castaway. The Word will not work for you. You've defiled your conscience. You got into unbelief. Then you had that disgusted trip. Now you're in disobedience. It doesn't matter what you do. Once you're in disobedience, the Word will not work. God didn't do it. You did. God is not, God's not jerking us around. God's not juicing us. God's not, oh, you know, he's going to teach us something. No, he teaches us something in the Word. If there's problems, 
Let's start. Let's take inventory and find out where did we violate our conscience? Where did we defile our conscience? Where was it that I was saying what the what the truth wasn't? If it's not lining up with the word, then I need to fix that. Okay. And we saw this in Proverbs twenty twenty seven. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. It says, "The spirit of man, say my conscience, is the candle of the Lord. Say light, searching all the inward parts of the belly." Your spirit is the light of the Lord. Well, that shouldn't shock us because Jesus said you're the light of the world. Right? You're light and salt. Okay, let's look at 1 John 1. And this will start making this scripture make sense. Because for the longest time I looked at this and I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because it says this in 1 John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light. Right? What are you talking about, God? What light? I mean, I have a flashlight. Should I turn the lights on before I go in the house? What, what are you talking about? Now, if you walk in the light, what your light is is your spirit, your conscience. Remember? Because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord of the light. If you live life according to your conscience, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Like if you walk according to your conscience, even if you blow it, it will automatically be washed off. Because sin is nothing more than settling for less Right? Settling for less than God's perfect will. That's all sin is. You settled for less. You missed the target. You don't share in the prize. You just settled for less. God's perfect will is riches, honor, and life. If you settled for less, right, but you got a pure heart, you're walking in the light that you got, you're walking, you're going, you have fellowship with one another, look at that part. Yeah, that means coming to church. Throw that one in there. He says, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, washes you or cleanses you of all settlements. Anytime you settled for less, it'll wash it away if your heart is pure. Man, that just part right there alone ought to keep you keeping your conscience going. Because if you make a mistake, it says the blood of Jesus will cover it. Automatically cover it. Man, that's a great safety net. You know, that's what we operate in up here every, every week. I'm like, before I come to church, I'm like, Father, if I mess it up, fix it. before. You know what? So hopefully the mistake doesn't go down range and mess up folks. That's the, whole, that's the safety net. You can walk in that in every day. You know, yep, there'll be a time where you, you know, you're walking pure and something will come out your mouth. Right? In the heat of the moment, you really didn't mean to say it, but it came out there and it was ugly. Oh, it was ugly. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You've been married for more than five minutes. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, Amen. Okay. Right. See? We can't get it back down range, but it says the blood of Jesus will cover it for us. Amen? That's how you can still be married after 20 years. Glory. All right. Now let's move on. We're going to break new ground. All right? Wow. You'd be like, finally. Okay. Here we go. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. I'm going to read this, verse 1. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. But anybody ever, everybody ever wonder what is spiritual? You know, we say, oh, so-and-so is spiritual. Right now, when I was growing up, it'd be like, oh, the pastor and the deacons are spiritual. Then I'd go to, like, the church basketball game, and I'd find out who was spiritual and who wasn't. And all the people that I thought were spiritual, they wasn't. Because, man, the first time, you know, they get fouled, and the ref calls a call the other way, boy, we find out who's spiritual and who ain't spiritual, right? Who's listening to the voice of their flesh? All right, here it is. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, now it's going to tell us who you are, if you're spiritual, those who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit or your conscience. You want to be spiritual? You just do what your conscience says. Respond to it and be controlled by it. The voice of your spirit. You want to be, that's all it is. It ain't hokey, it ain't flaky, it ain't kooky, it ain't nutty. It's just walking out everyday life, and when your conscience says, turn left here, we turn left here. Says don't don't eat at that restaurant. We don't eat at that restaurant until we don't get sick the next day, right? That's your conscience will tip you off to that stuff. All right. It says, 
Those who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the spirit of their conscience, should set him right and restore him and reinstate him without any sense of superiority, with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should also be tempted. Now what we have here is what we're getting into tonight. Weak and strong conscience. Someone who has a strong conscience is somebody who responds to and is controlled by their spirit. Someone who is weak, okay, to be born again, spirit-filled. Been under the word for a long time, but if you're weak, you don't respond to your conscience when it tells you to do something, and you're not controlled by it. Okay? Let's keep reading. Verse 2. It says, bear, this is talking to strong conscience people now. If you're strong, bear, endure, and carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. And in this way, fulfill and observe the perfect law of Christ the Messiah and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. You know what the perfect law is? Walking in love. He said, when we help out people that are weak in conscience, we bring them along walking in love. Now, they taught me this in the Marine Corps. They said, you, you're only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. You are a team. You don't leave anybody behind. Yet, and there was many times when we had to pick up the rucks of the 80-pound pack on top of my own 80-pound pack to make sure that one of my PFCs or privates who was really sucking wind made it with us. Somebody got his rifle, somebody got his pack, and somebody would help him walk. We don't leave anybody behind. That's walking in love. It ain't being, oh, nice and flowery and, oh, you know, Birkenstocks and toga. Oh, hallelujah. No, we don't leave anybody behind. How many of you know, I'm pretty not happy carrying another 80-pound pack on my back. So I'm not telling them, oh, it's okay. No, nobody was happy that we had to carry it. We ain't leaving them behind. We're walking in love. But you better suck it up and figure out what you need to do and train yourself so that somebody else doesn't have to carry your load. That's walking in love. Oh, it's tough love, but it's love, because I don't want this guy dying because he's the last guy. All right, let's keep reading. No, verse 3. For if a man thinks himself to be something, if he thinks himself to be spiritual or led by the conscience, when he is nothing, when he's not, he's carnal and led by the voice of his flesh, he deceives himself. There's people that they actually think they're spiritual. They'll even act spiritual, holy and pious. They ain't heard the voice of their flesh in 50 years. They've been born again for 70. What? Right? They're deceiving themselves. What happens when you deceive yourself? You're lying, right? What is that? Defiled conscience. Then you get into unbelief. Then you get disgusted. It don't take too long to get disgusted with life. It doesn't. Boy, I tell you, life kicking the teeth is just about three weeks and you get start to get disgusted. Okay? All right. Weak conscience. Look at this. This is what a weak conscience means. It's somebody who's without strength, they're feeble, they're powerless, and they're needy. Listen. If you are without strength, this is, I've seen people, they've sat under the Word for years and they can never seem to get victory. Never seem to get victory. They try and then they... Uh, you know what? It's because they have a weak conscience. Nothing against them, but they have not... Tra- it's not the hears. You can listen to CDs all week long. You can come to church every time the doors open. You can watch TV ministries over and over. You can take notes and you can hear, 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 hear. And unless you start training your conscience by doing, you'll never, ever get victory. It's a weak con. You know why you're weak? You're without strength because you haven't worked out. But we're going to talk about how to get strong next week, okay? We're just going to work, uh, you know, identify weak conscience right now. Next one is feeble and powerless. You know, any, I know people that have been born again, spirit-filled, but they are powerless to overcome a habit or addiction. Powerless. They just can't seem to kick it. You know why? Because their conscience is weak. It's weak. You know, so it's the voice of your spirit. It's a weak voice. It's weak. It's like whispering, don't do that. Don't do that. Stop. You're killing yourself. 
You're listening to your flesh. See, we want to strengthen that thing. We want to get strong. We want to train it so that when my conscience says, Hey, Whitman, we're like, Hey, what? Knock it off. Yes, sir. No problem. See, my conscience has the voice of like my drill instructor. It takes that tone of voice with me a lot of times, but I've trained it so it talks to me like that because I respond to that. Okay, if you respond to like your mama telling you, oh, you're so sweet, if that, then train your conscience to talk to you like that. Okay? Look in uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14. Now we're talking to people who have a strong conscience. Apostle Paul says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, but be patient towards all men. That means we don't give up. The word patience means we don't give up. God didn't give up on you. We're not going to give up on anybody here. I don't care how frustrated we are with them that they don't get it. It doesn't mean he says you support the weak and you comfort the feeble. We're, we're going to, you know, what? we might yell at you. It might get uncomfortable. We'll carry your pack. We won't leave you behind and we'll make sure hell doesn't win in your life. We'll make sure. That's, what, that's a great part about being in this church. We want, but we're going we're gonna to train you so that you become strong so you can start carrying your pack plus carry somebody else's when they're weak. Okay? That's what we're all about here. All right. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And verse 23. This is Paul. He's talking to people who have a strong conscience. All right? He says this. Strong conscience and you're pure. All things are lawful for me. All things are lawful for me. There's not one thing on this planet that he can't do. Okay? Well, I don't care what it is. He wants to take a trip to Vegas. It's lawful for him. He can go do it. He's got law of liberty. He could do whatever he wants. Jesus already paid the price for it. He could go out there and, you know, cuss jokes, shrink, you know, that whole checklist, do whatever he wants. He says it's lawful. He won't be breaking one thing, but look at it. He says, but all things are not expedient, and that word means profitable. That means if everything isn't profitable for you, that means it could bring loss to your life. It's lawful. Go for it. But I want to profit. I want to be in the winning column. I don't want loss, right? He says everything's lawful, but not everything is profitable. What else? He says all things are lawful, but all things don't edify me up or build me up. And if you're not getting built up, the opposite of that is being destroyed. I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want my life to be destroyed. I want to have good relationships. I want to have riches, honor, and life. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's welfare. Now, before I get on to this next part, this is going to be a cultural thing right here. Paul starts talking to people in Corinth. There was a lot of idolatry, so there's a lot of temples. and So what they would do is sacrifice animals to the temples on the front end and see that they were good capitalists because what they did is they opened up a restaurant on the back end of the temple and then they'd sell the meat that they just butchered up on the thing because they ain't going to waste that. So they take it around the other side and then they sell it at the bistro. Oh, it's so nice. Okay. Now, so what, what's going to happen is a lot of people in the body, they start freaking out. Right? Mike and Cheryl went out to dinner to Simbroso's. It was on the backside of Diana's temple, right? Now, it was good food there, right? But it was Diana's temple. Man, you know what, Mike and Cheryl, it don't matter to them. They're born again. They don't care who, who cut up the skirt steak to make the fajita. It's good, okay? But somebody got all stove up about it. Oh, I can't believe Mike and Cheryl going to some brochures. That's Diana's temple eating the skirt steak. Okay, so that's what's going on here. So he says this. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that's those restaurants. Doesn't sound like they passed the health code inspection, but whatever. He says, what is whoever is sold in the shambles that eat? And ask no question for conscience sake. This is the very first don't ask, don't tell policy that was ever written. He said, don't ask where it came from, don't tell, and just eat it. You gave thanks for it, it's blessed, eat it. 
It's a good meal. Service was okay. The meal was good, not a bad price. He said, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Okay, now, now he starts talking about how we deal with unsaved folks. We're going to talk about two, two groups of people. He's going to talk about how to deal with lost folks. Then he's going to talk about how to deal with Christians. Okay, so we're going to first find out how do we deal with lost folks. You know, okay. So he says, this, if any of them that believe not, that's lost folks, right? You all see that? That's lost. If they bid you to a feast, say party. Party. Now, if somebody invites you to a party, they're lost. It says this, if you be disposed to go, then go. Now, if you have a defiled conscience or you're weak, don't even think about it. You ain't going. Don't go there because it says don't make any provision for the flesh. Oreo cookies are a problem. You ain't going to an Oreo cookie party. I don't, you, know, you ain't going. It says if you're disposed to go, if you have a strong conscience, okay, and you want to go, go ahead. Because your conscience will say, yeah, go ahead. It's all right, EJ. Go be light. Go ahead. He says, go ahead and go. And whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Don't ask, are these special brownies? Don't ask. Don't ask if the punch is spiked for conscience sake. Now look, but if any man say unto you, now if anybody at this party comes up to you, right, and they say, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for the sake of him that showed it to you. And for conscience sake, yes, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, EJ, I thought you were a Christian. You know, these brownies are special. That's it. You don't eat the brownie. If it's never brought up, it don't matter because you could eat any daily thing. It's not going to affect you. You can eat the brownie. You're going there and being light. God will protect you. I don't care if the punch is spiked with, you know, Everclear. It won't even affect you. It won't. And, no one, and everyone will wonder why. How come, you know, EJ's not passed out, but he's still, you know, because we'll keep looking. Let's keep it says, conscience, I say, not your own, not my own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I gave thanks? Why? Paul's like, why? Why should I be held? You know, why? Here's the answer. He says, whether, therefore, you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do. Whatsoever you do, that's a lot of stuff. Whatever you do in life, whether it's eating, drinking, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, it might not violate your conscience to go to Vegas and, and you know, play the slots, okay? But if it's causing somebody who's not born again to go, I thought you were born again. What are you doing here? That's not giving God glory. Cancel the trip. It's over. It's over because it doesn't give God glory. You've just messed somebody up who's not born again. Now, that, what would people think? I'm a pastor of this church, okay, but I got a whole life of doing the right thing, you know, walking it clean. But people saw me down clubbing it, right, and doing jello shooters and dancing with some chick that's not my wife. It could be completely innocent. It might have been my sister. But if you saw it, you'd be like, well, what's going on over at Covenant Life Outreach Church? And whoever saw it, now I can't minister to them. And somebody saw you, you can't minister to them either. Why do I need to serve a God like that? You ain't no different than me. I got my own problems, and if you're not any different, then there's no glory there. If you're the same as the world, there's no glory. All things are lawful, but they might not be profitable. Okay? Then he says this in verse 32. Give no offense. Neither to the Jews, that's religious folks, self-righteous. The ones doing the checklist, that's all the religious folks. I know there ain't no religious folks in this town, so we ain't got to worry about them, right? 
I was winking if anyone went on CD. Okay, nor to the Gentiles, that's unrighteous folks. That's a guy, God ain't even on their radar screen. They don't give one rip about God. Don't give any offense to them either. And who else? Nor to the church of God. That's the righteous folks. That pretty much covers everybody. God, what's going on there? I could do everything, but I can't do anything. No, what do you say? Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Listen, instead of you trying to be accepted by your buddies of the world, they should be trying to be accepted by your God, by how you act. Listen, well, if you're different, they ought to see that you walk in riches on our life, that you get promotions even when you don't deserve them, that everything you touch turns to gold, that you walk in health, that the bird flu is going along and you're not calling in sick. What? Then all of a sudden your relationships are, well, I want to be like that. Right? This, you know... Oh, this stuff over here not working too good. That's working good for them. That's what he's talking about. Glorify God in whatever you do. So if you play the Powerball, you better win big. So you could say, the Holy Spirit gave me the numbers. You better pray first and find out what it is. Okay? It's all right to play the Powerball. Just win. Don't just go playing like everybody else plays. Don't do it man's way. Find out what they are. Fast. Pray. I don't care. Find out what they are. Then go play and win. Right? Then buy us a big sanctuary. We'll move in. All right. Now, you guys got time for a story? I don't normally tell stories, but I'm going to this is a good one. When I was 18 years old, I joined the United States Marine Corps, okay? Now, my mom and daddy were missionaries and all that. I'm I get there first time away from home, go through boot camp, do good, get through infantry training school, graduate number 1. I'm, you know, get meritoriously promoted, everything's good. Where do you want to go? Hawaii. I go to Hawaii, I get there, and I'm in a squad bay with 63 pagans. An open squad bay, living in one room, I'm the only guy that's born again. There's nowhere to hide, there's no private room, there's no, I don't have a car, I can't, I'm stuck with 63 pagans. Okay? Now, these guys start harassing the hound out of me, because I don't, I don't cuss, you know, I don't drink, I'm a virgin, Oh, boy, that's not good in the Marine Corps. You can't be a Marine if you're a virgin. All right. This goes on for a couple months. We go on our first Westpac. Uh-oh. So the boat lands in the Philippines. Okay. Subic Bay we pull in. It's a, a Longapo Drive, McSaiside Drive, all that. You know, it is like the capital of the debauchery of all mankind. You can get a tattoo, get drunk, and have an all-night bar girl for like 15 bucks. Back in the 80s, you could. Okay? These guys are excited. We're going to make Whitman a man. We're going to make a man out of you, Whitman. You just wait. Ain't nobody ever been through Subic Bay and come out not a man. You're going. So, all right, whatever. This goes on. Now, this is over the course of like a year and a half. Now, I'm 19. I'm about to pick up corporal. We get there. And so these guys are just harassing me. You're going. You're going. We're taking you out. We're taking you out. I said, all right, guys. All right, I'll go with you. No strip clubs, though. Never been to one. Not going to one now. and still haven't been to one. Listen, here's a tip, guys. If you've never done something, don't do it. It's easier not to do it. If you have never eaten Oreo cookies, you'll never crave Oreo cookies. That's what, you know what, my wife says I'm a freak. It's because, you know what, I never did all that junk, so I don't understand. But it's easier not to do it if you never did it. Okay? So just it, don't go trying stuff because it, it ain't cracked up to what it is anyway. Okay? All right. So, and there's nothing but props. So anyway. So, all right, no strip clubs, but I'll go with you one place if you'll go with me one place. All right. What a deal. I said, but we're going to our place first. All right. So we go to this place. It wasn't a strip club, but it was called the Playboy Club, okay? And they had all these Filipino girls singing Stand By Your Man or whatever with, you know, the accent. You know what I'm saying? 
stand by your man, you know, in the karaoke. And, and I'm like, okay. And they're all running around their Playboy bunny outfits. And so they start, you know, they order all their alcohol. Well, what are you drinking? I'm like, now in the Philippines, okay, orange juice is an export. Okay? So they don't keep it in the country. That's one of their, you know, money-producing crops. So it's very rare to get it. So I'm like, I'll have an orange juice, 12 bucks a glass. Right? Jack Daniels is like 12 bucks for, a, you know, a giant keg or something. So these guys are like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'll start having orange juice. I must have drank $50 worth of orange juice on these guys' bill. All right, so we're there for like an hour and a half. We're listening to all this. And I'm like, all right, guys. And they're like, well, this place isn't any good. Let's go somewhere else. I said, okay. So I'm way there. I'm like, oh, we got to stop someplace where I'm going. Now, I, I have never been to this city before. It's a dump. It's like it's like the red light district of every city put into big one. Boom, boom. Okay. Walking around, tattoo bar. Everybody's trying to get you to come in to see this strip show. And this is God helping me out. There's a sign right there that says Bible study tonight at 8 p.m. And an arrow. I'm like, hey, boys, we're going there. Now, listen, this was the worst Bible study I've ever been to. Okay, I mean, it was horrible. I can't even remember what they were, but I was just like, oh, they were killing me with an hour long of whatever. I don't know what it was, but it was horrible. These boys, man, after an hour, they were like, okay. So we get out of there. I'm like, all right, where do you guys want to go? And they're like, no, we're good, man. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. They never bothered me again about it. Okay, word spread. Okay, now what happened was, instead of me being accepted by them, Okay, because I really didn't care if I was accepted by them because my conscience was strong at that point, even at 18, 19 years old. Because I just didn't do all that. I, I didn't care. I was going after God. Not how great I am, big deal. It's easy. You just don't do it. It's easy. Okay, so now I wasn't accepted by them. Did I? Yeah, it was hard. They, they dogged me constantly. Okay, until, you know, what would start happening after that, a couple more months go by. Then all of a sudden, somebody come in there, they almost got alcohol poisoned. They're so drunk. You know whose bed they show up at? Mine. They want me to walk them around so they don't pass out. They want me to make sure that I get them up so they don't drown in their own vomit. Me. Then they want me to pray for them. Then when their mama gets sick, they want me to come pray for them and pray for their mama. Now what happens is, yep, they want, they want to be accepted by me and my God because my conscience was strong. But peer pressure, it doesn't get any easier. Everywhere... I knew guys that are, they're in the ministry now. They're working for IT tech companies. They go and they win these little trips with their sales guys or whatever. They go out and then they act like trash. You tell them now they're in the ministry, they'll be like, no, nah, not that guy. He ain't, nah, man, we're doing you know body shots with that guy. No way he's in the You know what? Don't do it. You know, those people can never, ever receive. Not only from that guy, but anybody that comes along that's associated with that guy, i.e. anybody who's a Christian. You're associated with God. It's not hard to have a strong conscience. I'll tell you how to do it next week. But when you're dealing with unsaved folks, don't go there. All things are lawful, but you'll suffer loss. They'll suffer loss. And then you wonder, why. well, why is my life a mess? And you're sowing seeds that will come back on you years later. I was running around in the 90s thinking, yep, all those guys that I was in Subic Bay with, they're all still getting AIDS tests 12 years after the fact because they're not sure not worth it, guys. All right. Moving on. Now, 1 Corinthians 8. We're almost done. This is dealing with Christians. That's with unsaved folks. That's with lost folks. Now it's the deal with Christians. Okay. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 7. It says this. How be it there is not every man, there is not in every man that knowledge. Now this is the knowledge of the Word. Now, 
Not everybody in the body of Christ has the knowledge of the Word that you have. We've got, we've got a lot of knowledge. And it, man, if you've been in this church more than a month, you've got more knowledge than 90% of the body of Christ gets in five years. Not that I'm so great because we just let God show up. Okay? Not everyone has the same knowledge that you have. So listen, for some with conscience of the idol, this, we're talking about the same thing, conscience of the idol, unto this hour eat as the thing was offered unto the idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Listen, these are people that are born again, but they esteemed the idol. They esteem, there's people that esteem the devil. They esteem sickness. They're superstitious. Oh, I wouldn't, don't get the devil mad. Well, I would never say that I'll never get the bird flu. You're gonna be, you'll get sick next. No, I don't get sick. I wouldn't say that. You're on the devil's radar screen now. You've got a weak conscience. I don't esteem none of that junk. You shouldn't either. He said, but some people, they do. Okay? He says, so those folks, look what happens in verse 8. He says, but meat, well, he says, meat commendeth us not to God. Neither if we eat, or are we the better? Neither if we don't eat, we're not the worst. Look, I don't care. If you're a vegan, fine. It doesn't matter to me if you're a vegan. If you don't eat lobster, good. If you don't eat pork, you do. It doesn't matter. He said, that doesn't make one hill of beans with God. If you do, great. If you don't, great. It don't matter. <laughs> you got to know, most sins are cultural. When my grandmama was growing up, like 1918, it was a sin to drink Coke out of a bottle. You could drink Coke out of a bottle, you're going to hell. 1918. They're cultural. Sins are cultural. You know what? In Germany and Europe, it, kids at like 12 years old are drinking wine with dinner. Ain't no big deal. It's the culture. Okay? A lot of sins are cultural. So listen to this. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about cultural sins. He says, But take heed lest by any means, in verse 9, this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. We don't want people that are weak to stumble. Why? I don't care about them. Yeah, we do. Look, for if any man see thee which has knowledge, say, I have knowledge. Okay, someone sees you that has knowledge. You sit at meat at the idol's temple, and you don't have conscience, or shall not the conscience of him, I'm sorry, which is weak, be emboldened to eat those things which are offered up to the idols. He says, if you got knowledge and someone else who doesn't sees you do it, then they'll be like, well, if they do it, I know that they're word people. They're Holy Ghost people. I bet I could do it too. If they could do it, I could do it. If you guys saw me belling up to the bar and clubbing, you'd be like, well, Andrew does it. Must be all right. In verse 11, And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish. That's physically get sick and die. This is someone's born again. What? Through your knowledge, because you, you got liberty, you got knowledge of the Word. You know it is not, you're not bound up by cultural sins. You're not bound up by religion, right? He said, but through that, you'll cause somebody else to get sick and die. For whom Christ died? But when you sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Ouch. That's why we care about them, because Paul said, you ain't doing it to him or her, you're doing it to Jesus. He says, wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I'll eat no flesh while the world stands, lest I make my brother to offend. Quick story. Time? And I'll close out with this one. That same deployment that I was on, that Westpac that I did, you know, where they were going to make me a man. Now, right after, right after that story went out that they didn't make me a man, there was like a mini revival in the battalion. It wasn't because of me because there was other guys in the battalion, but the platoon I was in, there wasn't any. The guys that were born again. Found out that this was, there was like a move of God going on. We started to meet with each other every night. Kind of had like a little prayer and Bible study. Pretty soon we had like 35, 40 guys. 
Yeah, within like three months. Okay. By the time we got to Japan, we had about 35, 40 guys, and there was one guy that got born again. He was the roughest partier. Man, he partied harder than anybody else. You know, he was, man, he was rough. He was tough. He, he did everything hard. He was a hard-charging Marine. He had the foulest mouth. You know what? He drank the most. He slept around the most. He did all that stuff the most. Got born again. Now, it's his personality to do everything the most. So you know what he did? He put away the filth of the flesh. I didn't read that verse tonight, but was it the answer is not putting away the filth of the flesh because Buddhist monks do that. This guy got born again, but he didn't train his spirit. We thought he did, looking back on it, because he put away everything like that. Not one more drop of alcohol, never went to a club, never said another cuss word. No. So we thought, man, this guy, man, he had a serious experience with God. You know what he did? He was just doing everything to the max. And he put away the filth of the flesh with his will. N- not his spirit. Didn't even know his spirit existed. Really. Didn't even hardly know. Baby Christian. So, we got back from that. About another four or five months go by. We go to this, uh, to Okinawa, and we're out in the jungle for 16 days. Now, it's a jungle. You figure, oh, it's like 90 degrees out. It was a typhoon. For 16 days, it didn't stop raining. Guys in the middle of Okinawa in the summertime getting hypothermia. Okay? So, we're there 15, 16 days. No change of clothes. We're just soaking wet, dripping, shivering. We come in. Now, his mentor, the guy that got him born again, also about the same rank, Lance Corporal, but he was an old guy. He was like 34. In the Marine Corps, that's ancient. Okay, really. Because you're 18 and somebody's 34, that's huge. And that guy's like ready to get on Social Security. Walking around like this, two hearing aids. Okay. So, that guy, man, he was a powerhouse. I love that guy. He was kind of, I mean, he was one of the guys that laid hands on me when I got filled with the Holy Ghost right outside the E-Club. Okay, so this guy's good to go. I mean, he's a pillar in the battalion. So we come back, and I didn't go with them, but there was a little um, Italian restaurant outside the gate. They come in 16 days, they shower up, they're going out there. The Italian restaurant. Well, this guy, you know, the mentor, he's like, man, I've been in the field 16 days. But I'll tell you what, a beer sure would taste good to cut the stuff. Could just cut the, the dust and all the mud and the goo out of my mouth. So he orders a beer. The guy's with him. Don't think nothing about it. It's no big, I mean... It didn't bother me any. We didn't think it bothered anybody else either. Okay, but this kid, his conscience was weak. We didn't realize it because he put everything away like that. Now, he wasn't alcoholic. He just put it away. What happened was, oh, his mentor drank. Well, it must be okay for me to have a beer then. He was emboldened to have one because his mentor is. And I know this guy has victory, so if there's nothing wrong with it, it's all right. He's doing it, and I know he's rock solid. Okay, but that guy, he wasn't listening to his conscience because, listen, don't get all, I had, well, I preached this one time and somebody said, well, what if, what if you, you don't realize you're doing it? If you have a strong conscience, your spirit will tell you when somebody's about to get red flag. It'll red flag you and say, don't drink that beer because somebody here will, is weak. Okay? So if you're listening to your, that's why everything is pure under the pure. If you keep your conscience pure, it'll tell you when not to do it. Somebody's, somebody is going to get offended, don't do it. If you listen. That guy, he didn't hear it. So he drank his beer. Within six months, this guy was totally a castaway. He was a reprobate. He was worse than he was before. And nobody could talk to him again. No, that stuff ain't real, John. Because he was emboldened to his go... Because once he had that first taste, it was over for him. Because all he did was put away the filth of the flesh. He didn't have a strong conscience. He was weak. See, what we needed to do was, you know, grab him and bring him along. But we didn't even realize it. It was young, dumb, and stupid. No better now. But that's, see, that's what, man, we gotta, you gotta hear the voice of your spirit. 
It'll keep you from making mistakes and it'll keep you from hurting other people. That's why I say it's automatic you walk in love if you listen to your conscience. Now, you know, that wasn't walking in love to that guy. It wasn't. We weren't being mean to we totally oblivious. I didn't even do it. Just you know, none of us were trying to. No one was trying to mud suck this guy. No one was trying to get him to backslide. But it wasn't walking in love, was it? Why? Because his life was destroyed. Not all things are profitable. Not all things build up. Some things destroy, and sometimes you get in loss. Let's listen to our conscience to figure out which one is which. And if you're strong, then we bring the weak up. We grab their pack. We'll grab their rifle. We'll throw them on our back. And the whole time, yeah, well, we're going to be yelling at you. You need to get your act together. We're all going to die. Because in battle, you're bringing the weak. If I go back and pick you up now, we're both getting shot at. I'll do it, but I ain't going to like it. Still walking in love because I'm saving you, tail. That's how we are in this church. We'll fight for each other, but we're not going to put up with, you know, we're going to be yelling at you the whole time. Let's go. Suck it up. Deal with it. We're here for you, but you got to do the word. All right? We're gonna, we won't lose anybody to sickness. We won't lose anybody to lack or poverty. We won't. But you got to do your part and pull too. Okay? Strong and weak conscience. Now, next week, I'm going to tell you how to have a strong conscience. Okay? Don't miss it. This is big, guys. See, we've never had any teaching like this in the body of Christ. If I did know this, boy, I could have saved my... Every problem that I have in life is because I violated my conscience. Every single one, I can look at it every time. My spirit told me don't do that, and I did it anyway. From that lemon car I bought, right, to the rental properties I got, to the relationships that I hooked up with in business or socially. It's just God's trying to help you, and then we go, oh, God, why is my life... No, 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 no. We did it. All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, just seal this word in our hearts. Bring it back to our remembrance as we're walking out life. Father, help us to hear clearly the voice of our spirit. You said, Holy Spirit, you said you'd help us. And I ask for and thank you in faith that, and that you do help us. Thank you. Make it loud and clear and help us to respond to and be controlled by the voice of our spirit. And we'll watch our winning percentage go up in life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.